good place to be, uh, the Rock of Ages. And uh, he's a, he is a rock that does not change. Um, let me go ahead and kick this on. How about that? <laughs> there we go. All right. First Kings chapter number 19 is where we're going to be tonight. First Kings chapter 19. Uh, continuing on with our series uh, through the life of Elijah called Fire from Heaven. And uh, we're in chapter number 19, which is a little less uh, impressive as far as Elijah's life is, goes. However, it's a little more relatable. Uh, so we have that. Uh, but uh, 1 Kings chapter number 19, and uh, we're going to pick it up in uh, verse number 9 tonight. We'll read down through verse number 13 for right now, and then we'll get down to really verse number 19 as we uh, go through this uh a brief message tonight. Uh, the, the lesson title, the message title is Learning to Listen. Learning to Listen. And uh, I know I'm talking to a bunch of guys here tonight, and we all struggle with this at times. Um, but uh, we're going to be encouraged to be better listeners, particularly uh, to our Lord. And uh, certainly we could stand to improve in listening to our wives as well. But uh, primarily... Uh, we need to focus in on listening to the Lord, and Elijah uh, struggled a little bit to do that in chapter number 19. Well, verse number 9 says this, And he, talking about Elijah, came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so, verse 13 says, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Uh, Lord, we thank you again for the time together tonight. Now I pray you'd bless the time in your word, help us, Lord, to understand what this passage is teaching us about listening. Help us, Lord, to be better uh, le listeners to you, uh, to be good hearers of your word, but then ultimately help us to be good doers as well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, last time uh, we, uh, we talked about Elijah um, last Wednesday night. We focused on the fact that he was Mr. Discouraged. Uh, in chapter 18 and 17, Mr. Faith, but then that faith kind of fizzled out a little bit, and uh, he became very discouraged, and we uh, learned how we can uh, overcome discouragement. And uh, basically, if you weren't here to sum up, uh, what God said to Elijah is, go take a nap and eat a Happy Meal. I mean, that was basically, you know, that's one way to uh, get through uh, discouragement. Um, also, uh, listening to the Word of God, which was what we're going to be talking about uh, more uh, on this, in this message. 
now James, is, as we've learned, has said that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. So he knew what it was like to be discouraged. And, uh, and so as we go through this passage, we can really find ourselves many times uh, in the life of Elijah. Now, in chapter 17 and 18, Elijah was a pretty good listener. He had his uh, ears were in tune to the Lord. And really, every time the Lord said to do something, the Bible says, and he went and did it. Uh, there was no hesitation. There was no delay. There was no indication of, uh, a, you know, an argument there that Elijah put up with God. No, it was basically whatever God said for him to do. Uh, the Bible says he went and did it. Uh, so he was a good listener in chapter 17 and 18. Then we come to chapter 19 and uh, not, not so much. Uh, he kind of he ended up getting his ears uh, clogged. And uh, this, I, I, I think now, again, it's a little gross to think about earwax, okay? Um, but uh, if, if we're not careful, that will build up in each of us and it will begin to hinder our hearing. And uh, Elijah somehow ended up letting that build up in his uh, life and uh, he ended up kind of losing some of his hearing. Uh, now, the story is told of uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. He complained that no one really actually paid any attention to what he was saying. And so one day during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he murmured, and this is not something I would recommend doing, but this is what he did, at least according to this particular story. He murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. To everybody that came up to him, he's like, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And just kind of acted like everything was normal to see if anybody was actually listening to what he was saying. And the guest responded with phrases like, marvelous, keep up the good work. Oh, we're proud of you. God bless you, sir. It wasn't until the end of the line when greeting the uh, ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. But nonplussed, the uh, ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the encouragement for us tonight is to increase our ability to listen and, uh, and then not just to listen to what God is uh, saying to us, but then to go and do what God is saying to us. Uh, but a lot of times, we're like most of the people, as the Lord is speaking to us, we're kind of like, ah, that's great, that's wonderful, and we're not really uh, paying attention to what God is saying to us. And so, that's going to be a major encouragement of this message. But first, let's, as we go through this message tonight, let's notice, first of all, Elijah's attitude. So, verse number seven, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, verse number seven, the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat of the drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Well, verse number nine, and he came thither into a cave and lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, what are you doing here, Elijah? Um, Elijah, why, why are you so far away from where you were supposed to be? 
he had run, remember, all the way from, uh, the Bible says, in uh, Jezreel, he was in Jezreel in verse number 46 of chapter 18, and then in verse number 3, he runs all the way, uh, basically 100 miles all the way to Beersheba, and there he goes another 20 miles into the wilderness, and then he goes all the way uh, down to the mount, uh, mount um, to under Horeb, the mount of God, and uh, it's like, what are you doing here? What are you, why are you here? And uh, why are you... Why did you run away? I mean, and, and the Bible says here that the angel said here, um, well, the word of the Lord, I'm sorry, came to him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah, of all people to be hiding in a cave? I mean, you're Mr. Faith. You faced 450 false prophets of Baal, and you had the courage to do that. And now all of a sudden, uh, Jezebel gets a little angry with you and you go and take off. What are you doing here, Elijah? Did you not think that God who called, who brought down fire uh, to consume the sacrifice and lick up all that water? Did you not think that he could protect you in this situation too? Uh, but uh, Elijah said, well, and here's what he said. Verse number 10. Here's what his response was. I have been, and here's his attitude kind of comes across here. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. A couple thoughts about his attitude here. Obviously, uh, Elijah was very defensive as the Lord comes to him. And uh, he kind of all of a sudden has all the defense already He's been mulling it over for uh, who knows how long. And, and so as the word of the Lord comes to him, he, he gives this big defense. Um, but uh, you could tell there was, a, there was a sense of loneliness there. Of course, he was by himself there in this cave. Um, and uh, he said uh, twice, once here in verse number 10, and then also in verse number 14, he says, I, even I only am left. And he had the, uh, the attitude kind of like Martha had. Remember Martha and Mary as they were serving the Lord Jesus? And, and Mary's there sitting at the feet of Christ trying to hear his word, trying to be a good listener. And, and Martha's over there busy serving and getting, getting all the cheese and the crackers together and whatever. And uh, she finally gets mad and, uh, and says... Why are you leaving me to serve alone? I have to do it all around here. And so she kind of had an Elijah syndrome. This, I'm the only one that wants to do right. I'm the only one that's willing to serve around here. I'm it. And uh, that's a dangerous place for all of us to get. Where we think we're the only one trying to do right. And uh, I know that sometimes it feels like that at times, but I'm telling you, it's not the case. That's why... We like to host youth rallies here. Um, I know it's a lot of work to do that, but it encourages the teenagers that, hey, we're not the only church that's trying to do right. We're not the only uh, youth group in Oklahoma that's trying to encourage our teenagers to serve the Lord and to live for the Lord and, and to do what's right. Um, but Elijah here is uh, Mr. Lonely and feels like he's the only one and and, and, and that leads to a little bit of comparison to everybody else. 
Um, and he begins to say and, and have this idea that he's better than everybody else. That's obviously a very dangerous place to be. In fact, the Bible says, and um, well, let me go ahead and uh, turn over there. This is a good verse for you guys to, for all of us to, not just you guys, all of us to, to know. Um, oh boy. Problem is, I don't remember where it is. <laughs> uh, it's in Corinthians somewhere. It is, talks about how it is unwise for us to compare ourselves among ourselves. I think it's 2 Corinthians uh, 10 and verse 12. There it is. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or, our, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing. This is a lot of like, it's a little bit of a tongue twister here. But the last part of the verse really says this. And comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Don't, don't worry about how everybody else is running their race. You know, we've talked about that this, this year as we've uh, looked at looking unto Jesus. And, and uh, the picture here is we're all running a race and we're fixed on the prize, the end, which is the Lord Jesus. Uh, we're, that's where our eyes need to be, not on the person running next to us. Because here Elijah is kind of like, man, I'm so far ahead. Look at everybody else. Man, they all quit. And I'm the only one left running. Well, that was not accurate. Uh, we'll find out here in a moment. And uh, he, the Lord says, that's, that's not actually true. You're not the only one left. And uh, Elijah forgot about those 100 prophets. Remember in uh, chapter 18 that Obadiah saved? Remember that? He protected them and in the cave and went and fed them. Remember Obadiah? So he knew at least of a hundred that uh, had been protected and were still alive and that were still out there trying to do what's right due to the bravery of Obadiah. But, uh, but certainly that loneliness began to creep up and it led to exaggeration. Now, I don't know if anybody else in this room suffers from the sin of exaggeration quite like the guy you're looking at does. I exaggerate quite a bit. And, and I know that that's not a, 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 a good thing. And I usually exaggerate to the negative. Don't I? She doesn't want to say amen too loudly, but um, I do. When it comes to time, when it comes to um, especially my sports teams, oh, they're going oh, to get crushed. The whole season's over. Um, but, but it's not just that. It's other things in life, too. And um, I can develop an Elijah attitude like, oh, it's all negative. And that's, that's how he was looking at everything here. He was, he was negative Ned right here. Um, you know, the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword. I mean, you're, this nation that you love so much, Lord, really isn't doing all that good. And I'm the only one left. Another thought here about his attitude was that he was living in the past. Uh, notice what he says here in verse number uh, 10. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Uh, he refers back to his past. And, and I would say, amen, you were. But it's not so important about what you were. Where are you not right now? And Elijah was kind of living in the past. He repeated it in verse number 14. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And uh, typically when we kind of develop this little attitude here, 
we can kind of say, you know, I've really given a lot. I've been really sacrificial. And, uh, you know, I've served a lot. And I've done so much in my life. Good. I'm thankful. And, uh, you know, congratulations. But really, what are you doing today? What, how are you doing with your relationship with God today? I'm glad, Elijah, that you were very jealous for the Lord's sake back on Mount Carmel. But right now, you're living in fear in a cave. That's not exactly, that's not exactly being very jealous for the Lord's sake. It's not exactly a being who God created you to be. You were Mr. Faith, but now all of a sudden you're Mr. Hermit. And that's not accomplishing anything. And so he was living in the past, and uh, I do want to encourage us, uh, again, you know, we can't really drive very effectively if all we're doing is looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, pretty soon we're going to get into an accident. So we need to, you know, that's there to remind us of how God blessed in the past, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, let's not dwell there and live in the past like Elijah was here in his attitude. Uh, he was also... Uh, very defeated. Um, he was just, he thought, you know what, I'm, a, I'm as good as dead. Because uh, at the end of verse number 10, he says, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, remember, back up in verse number, uh, f- uh, sorry, yeah, verse number four, he requested for himself that he might die. I mean, he knew that people were after him, but he said, maybe it'd be better if I just was gone. Now, it's interesting to note this, that uh, Elijah desired to die, and the Lord, at least, um, the Lord did not allow him that desire ever, up until this moment, because Elijah is one of the only two people in all the Bible who never experienced death, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but remember, he goes up in the whirlwind and uh, in a chariot of fire. And so Elijah here desired to die, and uh, he said, you know what, everybody is going to kill me, they seek my life. You know what, he never did die. Now, I believe, and this is, this is Johnson chapter number 4 and verse number 2, okay, if you're familiar with that book of the Bible, okay, it's not a book of the Bible, but I believe that Elijah is going to be one of those two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11, because... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 that it is as it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after this the judgment. So I believe everybody, everybody who's ever lived would experience death. Hey, even Jesus experienced death. But there's two that did not, Enoch and Elijah, and I believe that that's the fulfillment of that verse there. I could be wrong, but again, uh, probably not, just because I know all things. No. I, I really, I have no idea, but that's my, that's my guess. That's my guess. Uh, but Elijah here, he desired to die. He was all defeated, and yet the Lord still never did let him die. Um, he never got to experience that, uh, at least up until now and, and down the road. He may be one of those. I believe he w- is one of those uh, two witnesses in Revelation chapter number 11. But you can see his negative attitude here in this passage. But then let's look here at number two, Elijah's attentiveness. Uh, finally, though, as, he, as we make our way through this, this passage and we, we read through in verse number 11, uh, God says, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Now, 
one, one, one scholar indicated that Elijah disobeyed in that case because he was still in the cave in verse number 13. So he did not actually go up into the, on the mountain. And so again, not, not listening very well. Um, so he said, uh, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now that was quite, quite a strong wind. If the wind is breaking rocks now, I'm assuming that it was blowing rocks off of the mountain and then they were kind of, they were exploding when, uh, we were up in Montana, the last real camping trip we did before we moved down here, we went, um, with Julie's sister's family and uh, it was in the summertime, but there was a terrible rainstorm that kind of cut our thing short. But before that, uh, me and Jeff and a couple of my, or one of my boys and, uh, and Jeremiah, his oldest, we went on a hike up into this mountain area and, and, and then there was a bunch of these boulders and we, we got up pretty high. There's a bunch of these boulders and we thought, let's, let's roll these boulders down. And so we did. We started rolling these boulders down, and it was it was the most fun. I've it was great fun to see these big boulders just kind of tumbling down. There was nobody around, you know. And then there was some boulders at the bottom, and occasionally those boulders would go and hit the bottom, one of those boulders there, and explode. And it was like, yeah, we would just cheer, and uh, we were just being boys, you know. Um, I imagine that's what uh, happened there, that the wind was so strong, it was blowing these rocks and it was coming and causing these boulders to crash on other ones. And, and it, it says, and it break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. Well, after there was, after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Now, there's a lot of different applications and, and interpretations of what all this means. And, and I, I don't know that I really have a firm grasp on all of what that all means. And uh, perhaps you've heard messages on it. And uh, maybe you could tell me afterwards some of the applications and interpretations you've heard on it. Um, I don't know if there's a, a real definite one that you can, you can really uh, nail down. But um, I was, I, I did come across this thought here, you know, God was not in that wind, but, uh, but sometimes God is in the wind. Uh, remember when the, the children of Israel came to the Red Sea and they're kind of at that cul-de-sac and what are we going to do? We're going to die here. And the Lord uses a very strong wind to part that Red Sea. So yeah, the Lord was in the wind then, but just not in this moment. What? God was not in the earthquake, but sometimes he's in an earthquake. Uh, remember when Paul and Silas were put in prison for preaching the truth? And then the Lord caused a great earthquake to release them and ultimately lead to the beginning of the church at Philippi with that jailer that got saved. And uh, his house, he and his house were saved and baptized. Um, so God was in the earthquake at that point, but not here in this moment. God was not in the fire in that scenario uh, here in, in uh, 1 Kings 19, but he was when three Hebrew children said, we're not going to bow down to your golden image, Nebuchadnezzar, and if you decide to put us in the fiery furnace, so be it. The Lord will either protect us, and even if he doesn't, we're going to still do that. We talked about that on Sunday night. 
And uh, was the Lord in the fire there? Uh, yes, quite literally he was, wasn't he? Uh, there was four men in the fire as Nebuchadnezzar looks and he sees four and he says, and the fourth is, looks a lot like the son of God. <laughs> yeah, because the Lord was in the fire there. But uh, not in this particular case, evidently. Um, what can we learn about this? Well, again, um, be, being... Okay, so here, here's one thing I do want to say this. Don't look for God to primarily speak through circumstances in our lives. A lot of times we like to, you know, God, if you really want me to do this, would you just cause golf ball size hail to come down on more? Then I'll know that you really are leading me in this way. Okay. That's not... Again, we, we, we put some of those things on God, and, and that's not how he works. He works in the still, small voice of his word. And, uh, you know, as New Testament believers, it's a little different than Elijah was as an Old, Old Testament prophet. See, we have the completed word of God here. We don't need God to come to us in an earthquake and speak to us through a fire or a horrible wind. And, of course, we here in Oklahoma know about wind. And I was in California, and I knew about earthquakes. Um, but he doesn't need to use those things to speak to us. He's given us everything right here in the form of his written word. And so, yeah, it's not as loud and flashy as something, and newsworthy as something like a great fire or a tornado or an earthquake. But, hey, he's given us everything we need here. And, uh, and I think that that's one aspect, that it, it, one interpretation of all the, this passage here that uh, certainly makes sense for us. Uh, but we need to be attentive to the, the word of God. And, and Elijah was um, because he, he passed, he, he didn't dwell, he didn't even come out of the cave for the, the wind, the earthquake or the fire, but he does come out of the cave in verse number 13 as he hears that still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. So the other things didn't really get his attention because he knew the Lord wasn't in them. I'm not sure how he knew they weren't, he wasn't in them, but he knew that. Um, but he was attentive to the word of God. I was reading about a woman who uh, traveled uh, to Paris by herself without her husband, very dangerous, um, and uh, she found this fabulous bracelet she'd been, looking, she'd been looking for, and she found it there in Paris. So she sent a wire back home. This is before the days of texting and video chat. Um, so he, she sent a wire back home saying, I found this beautiful bracelet one I've been looking for all my life. It only cost $7,500. Do you think I can buy it? So she sent that to her husband. Her husband wired back a short but firm reply. No, comma, price too high. So he said, no way, the price is too high. And so he signed his name. But in the transmission, the comma was left out in the message read, no price too high. <laughs> And uh, so she was thrilled and uh, bought the thing. And omitting that comma, uh, the end of the story says, almost put that guy in a coma. Uh, so <laughs> um, 
paying attention to the details is important. And when it comes to the Word of God, uh, we need to pay attention to the things that God is wanting to say to us. Um, James 1.19 tells us to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Uh, do you realize that God gave us only one mouth but two ears? And uh, that, there's a reason for that. He wants us to be twice as good at listening as he wants us to be at talking. Now, he wants us to um, talk with care as well, but um, he wants us to be swift to hear and have good ears to hear. Here, the Lord comes in the form of this still, small voice. Um, in order to hear that, it's going to be very difficult to hear it if you've got a whole bunch of other noises going on in your life. I realize that the Word of God, this just stands there and sits there quietly. Um, it's going to take some effort to silence the voices without in order to hear the Word of God, in order to take time to be in God's Word. Um, good listening, someone said, Robert Heron said this, Good listening is like tuning in to a radio station. For good results, you can listen to only one station at a time. Trying to listen to my wife while looking over an office report is trying is like trying to receive two radio stations at the same time. He says, I end up with distortion and frustration. Listening requires a choice of where I place my attention. To tune in to my partner, I must first choose to put away all that will divide my attention. That might mean laying down the newspaper, moving away from the dishes in the sink, putting down the book I'm reading, setting aside my projects. And of course, we could add putting down our phone <laughs> uh, in our day and age. Now, when it comes to hearing the word of God, we need to be, we need to follow what David said in the Psalms when he said, be still and know that he is God. Psalm 40, and I think verse number eight, he says that. Make sure that's the right reference here for you. Not even close. Psalm 48 and verse number 10. How about that one? Nope. Psalm 46 and 10. Psalm 46, 10. There it is. Be still and know that I am God. Because he doesn't usually come in this loud thing to get our attention. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes he does uh, come in the form of a big um, trial or a big event, a big happening in our life to try to get our attention. But, but a lot of times... He just comes in a still, small voice. And for Elijah, Mr. Loud, Mr. Bold, Mr. Courageous, uh, you know, he probably enjoyed the uh, display of power there with the wind and the earthquake and the fire. He was probably like, yeah, this is great. Uh, but then once the still, still, small voice came, it was like, okay, this is the Lord, and I better pay attention here. And so we see a little bit of here, uh, Elijah's attentiveness, and then we'll wrap it up with this last thought back in 1 Kings 19, and that is Elijah's action. So let's pick it up here in verse number 15. Um, after Elijah goes through his attitude again in verse 14, verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shall thou anoint to become come king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of um, 
that guy there, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And then he gives them some encouragement here in verse number 18. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So Elijah, you think you're so alone? You're not alone. There's 7,000 that uh, have not bowed the knee. But then notice here in verse number 19, as the word of God comes back to Elijah and says, you're not done and I'm not done with you. I still have work for you to do. Verse 19, so he departed thence, found Elisha. So he goes and finally does again what the Lord asked him to do. He's getting back to being a better listener. He's getting back to hearing God's word and then now doing God's word. Uh, Knowledge when it comes to the word of God is excellent. But obedience is even better because knowledge puffeth up. Um, I think the problem that most Christians have in their relationship with God is not that they don't know what the Bible says. Ignorance is not the biggest problem a Christian has. It's disobedience is the biggest problem that uh, Christians have. Now, uh, God does want us to increase in our knowledge and to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But, uh, but knowledge by itself puffeth up, Paul says. And so if all we do is just increase our knowledge and say, well, I know all the Bible, great. How, are you, what, how much of the Bible are you living? That's, that's the real important thing. James 1.22 says, Be not hearers only, but be doers of the word, not deceiving yourselves. And he talks about it's like a man looking in the mirror seeing what manner of man he is, and then goeth away, goeth his way, forgetting what manner of man he was. No, you need to look in the perfect law of liberty and, and make the changes that God uh, says to us in his still small voice of his word. If we're willing to do that, then we'll be blessed in our deed. Um, and so Elijah finally, uh, he has a little lapse in his hearing, but uh, that comes back, praise the Lord here. And uh, he goes and finds Elijah, and he does what God had called him to do. So uh, hopefully uh, the Lord will help us to be good listeners, uh, listening for the still small voice, being willing to be still and uh, silence the things going on in our life. It's hard to hear the Lord when we're so busy all the time. We need to, we need to sit down and have, carve out that time in our life where we can uh, hear from the Lord. I realize that it's not always easy to do. We've got a lot of responsibilities, but if we're too busy for God, we're too busy. If you don't have time for God's word, you need to change your schedule. You say, I, I just don't have time to read the word of God. You've got something in your life that is crowding out something that is more important than God. You need to, you need to make some changes. And I do too if I ever get to that point. Uh, so we need to be still and know that he is God because he's not going to try to get our, if he tries to get our attention, he's wanting us to get to the point where we can hear a still small voice. Not so that we have to hear a big loud thing every, every day because um, that eventually we would start to tune out too. Um, so learning to listen. Elijah was a great listener. He kind of had a little lapse, but then he uh, got a little better at it. And uh, perhaps we're in a little lapse right now.
Uh, may the Lord help us to be good hearers, but then good doers of his word. Uh, let's pray together, and uh, we'll look at a few prayer requests and have some time in prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for Elijah. Um, Lord, he's a relatable person. We've been there. We've had the attitude that he, or at least I have, I've had the attitude that Elijah had where he felt like he was all alone and was really defeated, comparing himself, himself with other people. Lord, help us, uh, forgive us for that, and, and help us, Lord, to uh, be in tune and to be attentive to the Word of God, um, to the still small voice. Help us, Lord, to be willing to uh, take some time and carve out that time to be still and know that you are God and to listen to uh, the still small voice that <coughs> is within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask that um, 